The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. As I was, over the last week, I was uh, just finishing the message on influence and association for three weeks in a row. And I was seeking the Lord to try to find out what the Lord would have for us today. (laughs) And usually I can listen to people and people praying or people singing or people doing something. And the Lord will just take a word and just make it just launch out like it just jumps off the page. And I was in the most peculiar place this week. I was on Facebook. How can anything good come from Facebook? But I saw something, and it just jumped off the page at me. And it was the words. This is how God develops messages with me. The words were time-changing this Sunday, today. We went through a time change today. You're here on time, so I know you got the, got the note, got the message, right, about time change. And I said, Lord, time change? <clears throat> uh, what's that have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so <clears throat> as I began to pray and ask the Lord to guide me where he wanted me to go, it started out small, then it grew, and I stopped. And then it grew again. <laughs> so, y'all pray for me because <laughs> I can get this, uh, this message to you today. When big changes come in our lives or when big changes come in our church, we often find it unsettling. This has always been the case with humanity. When I say humanity, I'm talking about our, our flesh, our part of humanity. Because humanity or we as individuals, we don't usually handle change very well. Mark Twain once said, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. (laughs) Because a wet baby will want to be changed. And they will let you know that they want to be changed. Change can be an energizing force for the progress, or if change is handled the wrong way, it can bring stagnation and regression. If we don't handle change properly, we don't go forward, we stagnate where we are, or we go back, and that we cannot do. Change is here. There's no doubt about it, right? Change is here. So we have to handle it right. The Bible is the book is a book about changes. You can find changes all through scripture. And some people made good choices and got great rewards. Other people made bad choices and got bad 
bad results, okay? But our change that we're going through here, we're going to handle it the right way, and we're going to have great gains of souls for the kingdom of God. Because we're going to do it right, because we're going to do it the way God's Word says to do it. And if God's Word guides us and directs us, there's one thing that we can know for sure. This Word will guide us on our journey because this is what God gave it to us for. For our life, He will change. He will take you through the changes in your life. And He'll take you, this church, through the changes in this church that has to happen. Okay? Now, there's three things to understand during change. The first thing to recognize when facing changes is God Himself never changes. The title of my message this morning is An Unchanging God in a Changing Time. As we go through change, we can be assured that one thing is for sure. God is not going to change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is the bedrock, the foundation that we have when we go through these times that gives us peace, security, and confidence when facing the past, the present, and the future. This is the anchor for dealing with all changes because He is the one thing that can be counted on not to change. I can count on my God that what this book says, if I live by this book, I can handle any change that comes through my life. It's important for us to recognize that this. Secondly, the second thing to recognize about change is that God always has somebody ready to move His plans forward. His plans are never conditioned on just a single person. And I want to talk to that for a minute because I've heard the vision that God has laid before this church and gave it to our pastor. And many people have said that was pastor's vision. I'm sorry. It's God's vision. Pastor was just an instrument in the hands of God to do what God told him to do. Okay? So his plans are never conditioned on just a single person, though the single person or individuals individuals are part of the process. There's always somebody who is part of the process, right? But God has that person and knows who that person is. I may not know, you may not know, but God knows. And I am assured that God knows exactly what he's doing. God saw this happen a long time before we ever saw it happen. He knew the future that we did not know. His ways are above our ways. He thinks differently than we do. We think with our human brain and think, but God has a different way of doing things. And sometimes they're not the way we want them to be. 
So we have to remember, thirdly, that God's mission must continue on. And we are invited. We're invited to participate in the fulfillment of God's calling. Our commitment is first to the mission. What mission has God laid before us to do? Now, if God gives it to me somewhere down the road, I'll preach a message on it, but a lot of people have a misunderstanding about the word mission and missionary. My wife and I are missionaries because we go to Africa and we minister over there, leadership conferences and things of that nature, crusades, getting souls saved. And we have a feeding program where we feed over 5,000 meals a week to children in the primary age. Most of you know that. But yes, I call myself a missionary in that sense of the word. But when you say, where is your mission field? Do you have a mission field? What is a mission field? What do you go to mission? What do you go? Why do people go to Africa? Anywhere else in the world? As a missionary, why do they go? Because God put a mission in their heart. A mission for some place, somewhere, wherever it is. But there's people that have missions to go to the Navajo Indians, to the Cherokees. Home mission works all over this United States. Those are missions that don't go overseas. We call them home missions because there's things that are done right here back at home in our nation. Okay? But the thing about it is we have to realize all of us are missionaries if we have a mission. A missionary is only one who carries out the mission that God has for them. There are people here in this church that have a mission for young people. There's people who have a mission for children. There's people who have a mission for the elderly. There's people who have a mission ministry here for women, for men. We have all of these missions that we do, but we don't call them that. But they all have a mission to accomplish everything that we do. Missions starts close to you and grows out from you. We all have a mission inside of our home. Our children are our mission that God has given us to raise. God gave that mission to us to do that, right? He gave us that mission to do that. So, there's there. When you walk out of our laundry room to get in our car, there's a sign above my keypad where I'll set my alarm. And it says, you are now entering your mission field. Because our mission field is out there. It doesn't have to be Overseas doesn't have to be somewhere else in the country. We all have a mission. First to our home, second to that outside, to our friends and things. We've talked about influence to our friends, but then beyond that, into our community, into Cyprus. And wherever God takes us beyond that point, okay? 
But we have to be committed to the fulfillment of that mission, whatever that mission is that God has given us. While it's always difficult to face big changes, God will always be there ready to continue the progress of what he has raised up. In other words, what he wants done. Therefore, change in the hand of an unchanging God is safe, foremost, foremost. It is safe, it is positive, and will yield good fruit. If we respond correctly and embrace it. We must, we must embrace our mission, our personal mission, our church mission, okay? All of these are nothing more than missions. We call it a vision because we're looking to the future. That's what we're looking toward, right? But if we, we have to, but we have to correctly respond to it correctly and we have to embrace it. The Bible teaches us that change is a useful part of God. His plan to accomplish His purpose on the earth. If there wasn't change, we'd be stuck. A lot of people get in what's called a rut. Anybody here doesn't know what a rut is? Okay. A rut is when you drive a car not on a highway, but on a back road that's further in the back road, that when you go down it, there's just two little marks with stuff in the middle, and there's just two places for your tires to go. That's called a rut. When we get in a rut, basically, if we get stuck in our ruts of life, it's no different than a casket with both ends kicked out. Because you're dead where you are. You can't go anywhere except where those ruts teach you. You can't go where God wants you to go. You can't do what he wants you to do. You get caught in those ruts. You get out of the ruts and guess what happens? You get stuck. Easily get stuck when you get out of the rut. Okay? So, knowing and when... Change comes our way, whatever it be in our life or in our church. We need to embrace it with confidence and assurance. Knowing He is good, He has good in store for those who will lean on Him. Lean on Him. Okay? Now, I've said all of that. To get to the message. That was the introduction. God help us. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is we're going to be speaking to you this morning from Joshua, the first chapter. But I need to give a little bit of background before we get started. In the first chapter of Joshua, we see leadership changing. But I want to talk about what happened before we get to Joshua chapter 1. Moses, brief, brief story. 
Everybody knows it, so we're going to say, Moses goes to the backside of the desert there for 40 years, whatever. Then God calls him back to deliver the children of Israel. They get out across the Red Tree, parts the waters, comes out. People, God, he leads them. He leads them up to the Jordan River and says, it's time to go in and take the land. And all of a sudden, well, let's send some spies in and let's go get some spies and test out the, check out the land and see if, this is where we, if it's really as good as God says it is. So they sent 12 spies in. Two of those spies came back and said, it is a wonderful land. It is flowing with milk and honey. But those guys over there are big. They're giants. And we cannot, we cannot take them. They have cities. They don't live in tents. They live in these cities with these gigantic walls. But there was two of those, Joshua and Caleb, that said, we can take it. We can take it. But God got angry because his people did, were afraid and didn't want to go in to possess the land. So he had them wander for 40 years in the wilderness waiting for that generation to pass away. A whole generation passed away so that those that were young that didn't fail going in would be there to go. And that's where we find. But Joshua had been with Moses pretty much from the very beginning. He saw him lead. He saw what he did. He heard the call that God gave and all of that. So even though Moses never got to, to go into the promised land, the promise of God, even though he never got to go there, he got to see it. He got to get on the mountain and he looked and he saw what was before him. Our pastor saw the vision. He saw it in his spiritual eyes. He saw it. He may not be able to go and fulfill it, but he saw it. Now, Moses didn't go. And if you look in Joshua 1, we look at the past. Okay? Now, the book of Joshua begins, begins with a matter-of-fact statement about Moses. A matter-of-fact statement in Joshua 1.1. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Also says it in verse 2 in the very first part, calls him a servant of the Lord again. But right here it says a servant of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. This was Moses' assistant, that one that was close to him, saw everything that he did, went with him, knew what was going on. So Moses is acknowledged as God's servant here. Our pastor was a servant of God. We know what he taught us. We know his greatness. As Moses told the children of Israel the plan that God had for them, Pastor Goodluck has told us the plan, the vision that God has for the Ark Fellowship. We will never forget our pastor. But we must simply acknowledge his faithfulness to the mission, to the vision, and let the past drive us into our future. 
appropriate to have emotions when changes come about. I got pretty emotional. <laughs> but we can have emotions. It can be appropriate for just to have emotions. And we, you know, we get tied up. We're emotional people. We get tied up in it. But it is not appropriate to quit moving forward and to stagnate and to go backwards. That is not appropriate because God's plan hasn't changed. Okay? It is good to recognize the past. It is good to appreciate, to appreciate it. It's even great for us to celebrate, which we did. We celebrated. But then it's time to continue to move forward. For some, change is not easy. I'm not one who likes change. I'll be honest with you. And my wife could probably give you that on a brand and make it permanently indelible somewhere. I don't handle change well. Okay? I don't. But it, change happens whether I like it or I don't. Change is never easy. And there are some people, there are some people who will not change. Some people can't move forward, and they get stuck right where they are in the past, which means if you're stuck in the past, you have no present and you have no future, right? So, but change is a part of life, and God's plan I know one thing for sure, and I think that Pastor Angela knows this and her kids know this. Pastor would want us to move on forward with God's vision. He wouldn't want us to stop. He wouldn't want us to stop there. Now, we talked about the past, but then we have the present. And here in Joshua, the first chapter beginning in 2, Verse 2, it says, God simply says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and some of the people. Doesn't say that, does it? No. He said, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all the people. God wants all of us to mobilize as an army of God for the vision. That's what it's all about. God lays it out right here, shows us exactly what we have to do. He said, and to, he said, arise all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. A major change took place. Moses is gone. Joshua is the new leader. While things change, the mission had not. God had not. The goal had not changed. They couldn't continue to live in the wilderness. 
They couldn't still live in the wilderness that they'd been there for 40 years. They needed to come out and do what they needed to do. They must, they had to embrace the future. And they did it with a new leader, with an established mission, and an unchanging God. God doesn't change. We do. We're the ones that moves one way or the other, but God is immovable and He is unchanging. Our promised land, the vision for souls, both here in Cyprus and beyond. Where is the vision? Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Where? To the nations. The United States is the greatest nation in the world, in my humble opinion. I am part of the greatest nation in the world. Okay? God created that way. God made it that way. We are. But we are we are the greatest, okay? But our nation is right here. There are people in your neighborhood that need God, that needs to change. This church should be full of people if we are carrying the mission that God has put before us. Go ye therefore, making disciples, right? So our promised land is here in Cyprus and wherever God directs us to go. Anywhere. Now, I'm not, I'm not willing to limit God. I'm not willing to limit Him and say, well, we're, our mission is just to... No, our mission is to go ye therefore wherever God tells us to go. Now, i tell you a little, a little thing about my wife and I. When we went over originally to Kenya and then later on to Uganda... We went over there, and everywhere you looked, there was a need. Everywhere. You couldn't turn around and not see a need somewhere. And I cried because it was just my wife and I. I couldn't do all. I said, God, how can we do it? He said, one soul at a time. One soul at a time. One need at a time. You lead one person to the Lord, what's going to happen with that new person? Had a former pastor. I was going to bring you this morning. I forgot because I found one for my wife yesterday. He held up a, an acorn. An acorn for you Southerners, an acorn to you people from wherever. I grew up and they were acorns. I didn't know that they were acorns until I was probably 35 years old. But he asked the question, he said, how many trees are in this acorn? People started saying one because you drop it in and brace the seed, brings up a tree. He said, really? It can't bring, it can't bring up two? Well, you have to have two trees. 
The acorn carried everything to make that tree. And that tree had everything in it from that acorn to make more acorns that dropped to the ground. And they went and they seeded more trees. They created more trees. They created more trees. You never know if the one person, that one acorn, acorn that you get saved, when it dies to itself, what it's going to bring forth spiritually. Not physically, but spiritually. What is it going to bring forth? Is it just going to bring forth? You save them and that's the only thing? It goes in the earth, it dies, and it doesn't do anything else? That's not God's law. God's law says you put it in the ground, it, it rots, and it dies in the ground so that it can produce life. It's a great illustration of that, of, of, of the new birth, right? When something happens and we die to that self, we die to self, and then we're raised. But you get one person saved, you may be sowing seed to the next Billy Graham, to the next T.L. Osborne. Who? The great man of the Lord. You don't know. We go to jails. We lead people to the Lord. We, we feed, we put into them, not knowing what's going to come of what's there. But it's important for us to, to just understand that when we plant a seed here in Cyprus, you plant a seed, they may not come to this church if you lead them to the Lord outside. But does that mean they're not part of the kingdom? Remember pastor saying, it's not about where they come. It's adding to the kingdom. That's what it's all about, adding to the kingdom. Here in Cyprus and wherever the Lord wants. But the thing about it is, it's not something that's in our past to do. It's right here. Right now, before us. It's right here, right now, before us. It's not something afar because it's right here, right here with us, right? I can hear it now. I can hear this. See if this sounds familiar. Today is the day of salvation. Do you remember that being said right here? That was one of his favorites. We don't have to wait. Today, today, not tomorrow, today is the day that a person can come to know Jesus Christ if you share that with them. If you share that with them, right? With all the changes going on around us, there must be something that doesn't change. With all the changes, there has to be something that doesn't change. Something that every one of us can count on. Something that told you can count on. Omar, Gracie, Pastor Angela. One thing you can always count on. Pastor told it to us over and over and over. And this is it. God never changes. His word never changes. His commands 
never change. God and His Word are the constants in our life and in our church. Everything that we do here is based on that. I'm not going to stand on it because I don't want to stand on it. But as long as we stand on what the Word of God tells us to do, we will always do the right things. It's when we vary from the Word when we make the mistakes and don't do what God wants us to do. God wants all of us to be soul winners for Him. God restates the same promise to Israel under Joshua that He promised to Moses. And then before that, He promised it to Abraham. He kept, Abraham was a way off. He never saw it. Moses saw it but never got to enter in. But Joshua got to go in and see what none of them before had seen. When you look at Joshua 1, look at verse 3. Every place that your soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Our territory is endless because we can go anywhere that God tells us to go. From Cyprus to Spring to Katy to Houston. We can start growing outside of Cyprus. But right now, God stuck this church. He chose and stuck this church where? In Cypress, Texas. I wonder why God put it in Cypress, Texas. Because he knew that there was a mission field in Cypress, Texas. But see, we don't see the way God sees. We don't understand the way God understands. Because we just think that we come and we sit in here in our, in our pews on Sunday morning and we hear the word of God and then we say... Good job, Pastor. Good job. Enjoyed that today or whatever. And then we go and do nothing. There was a minister trying out for a church one time. He was candidating for the church and he got up on Sunday morning and preached a powerful message. Boy, the church people said, that's who we need. Well, he was going to come back on Sunday night and preach and then he was going to preach again on Wednesday night. They said, no, we want to vote on you right now. And he said, I think you really need to listen to my couple more messages before you vote, vote on them. And they said, nope, we want to vote on you right now. So they voted him in, 100%. So that night he came back on Sunday night to preach. And he preached the same message he preached on Sunday morning. Well, the deacons looked at each other and said, you know, that was good. It was good this morning. It was good tonight. Yeah, it's okay. And then they all gathered back on Wednesday night and he got up there and he preached the same message. And so the board said, we've got to talk to the pastor, find out what's, our new pastor, and find out what's going on. So they called him in the office and they said, Pastor, that message you preached on Sunday morning was great. It was even good Sunday night. But then on Wednesday night, we expected something new, but he preached the same, same thing again. Could you give us some hint on when you're going to go on to, the next, to, another, to another sermon? He says, when you guys do that one, I'll move on to something else. 
because we hear the Word and we're moved by the Word, but it doesn't put us to action of the Word. Mike has been talking about faith in one of our Sunday school class, talking about faith. Faith can be a noun. When somebody says, what's your faith? That's a noun. What is your faith, right? That's, 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 well, I'm a Christian or whatever, okay? But faith, we like to use the same root word for faith, which is pistos, but then the verb form of that says it's an action. If you truly have faith now, then faith action should be part of your life. Taking your faith and sharing. Some people, the first thing people tell me, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to witness. Well, do you have, has God something, has God done anything good for you in your life? Is your salvation the best thing that God ever gave you? Do you, do you, do you recognize how much he loves you? Some of you may not recognize how much he loves you, but I'm telling you, he does love you. And how much you love him? That's all you got to tell them. They don't want, they don't want these chapters in Roman, the Roman road. For all have sinned and come to the glory of God. God is faithful to give, forgive those who forgive. That's not witnessing. That's leading a person to the Lord when you get them to the point that they want to. Witnesses is nothing more than communicating with a smile on your face to people around you and your influence. I've already talked about that for three weeks. I don't need to talk about it anymore, right? But our influence is our Christian faith and then simply open up and say, do you need prayer for anything? I don't know of anybody that will turn down prayer. Do you know that? I won't. I had a little girl. How old was she, three? Four years old. I was in a church, and I was having problems with my foot. And I was, they were singing praise and worship, and she was over with her mother. And I was over this. I said, God, heal this foot in the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm, Jesus. I was just speaking in tongues, and I was just walking. I was just limping. I was limping up. You know, I was walking like two or three pews up, and then I'd walk back trying to pray it out. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to let my faith, my faith move. And all of a sudden, this lady comes over me, and she says, I know that you're new here. But she says, my little, my little daughter wants to pray for your foot. Would it be okay? Well, first of all, how'd she know it was my foot? That's first of all. But a little four-year-old, and I said, I'll never turn down prayer of a child, especially. I never turn down prayer anyway, but I'm saying, here's a little child that wants to pray for my foot. Of course I will. The innocence of a child, that childlike faith, boy, you better believe I'll take I'll jump all over it, right? So I said, it was okay. That little girl, she come down, she got on all sixes. She put her hands on my, on my foot. She bowed her head and she said, Jesus! Jesus! And then she got up and she was happy as lark. She went back to her. She went over and she sat down. And, I, and the lady said, thank you so much. I thought, I appreciate it. So I continued to, and all of a sudden I realized my foot wouldn't hurt anymore. Childlike faith. What has destroyed our faith? Our reasoning. We reason ourselves out of what God wants for us. We find some excuse to say why God doesn't want to do something. In sales, 
there's a reason why someone doesn't buy. And there's an excuse why somebody doesn't buy. You can overcome every excuse, but it's difficult to overcome a reason. But a lot of people's reason is nothing more than a real good excuse. It's still not, a, it's still not reason, right? Now, so, he gave them. Now, again, I keep emphasizing. Everybody say, you emphasize it. Well, that's what a sermon is, by the way, just so you know. The leadership hadn't changed. The promises of God, the leadership changed, but the promises of God did not. The leadership changed and the goal stayed the same. The leadership changed, but God's power and strength to accomplish the mission stayed the same. Give me just a couple of minutes and I'll stop and then I'll finish this next week. Promise. Joshua, verse 5, in chapter 1 there. God simply says in verse 5, As I was with Moses... So as I was with Pastor Goodluck, our leader out there somewhere, our leader is coming. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. God will be with a person that leads from right here. It's a promise right there in his word. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And will not leave you or forsake you. God had the same promise he gave to Abraham and others after him. Isaac, Jacob, right on down the line. Right? It is the unchangeable God that enables us to confront the changes going on here and to move forward to where God wants us to be. We have come to the end, and I'm not trying to be discouraging, but we've come to the end of a great leader. He wouldn't come back if God offered him the chance, I guarantee you. It may, not, it may be the end of one leader's responsibilities and his, what he was doing, and he did it well. He did it well. But it's not the end of the Ark Fellowship, its mission and its vision. It's just not. It's not over. With every ending, there's what? A new beginning. And it's time for us to grab hold to the horns of the altar of God. We've got a business meeting coming up next week. What do you think we need before that business meeting? 
We need prayer. We need to get hold to the horns of the altar and seek God to guide us, direct us to what He has for us because God has a plan. And each and every one of you today is part of that plan as long as you want to be. I preached a sermon on what are you going to do with your want to? Today, do you want to get hold of the vision? Or do you want to get hold of it? Not for somebody else, but for you. Are you ready to do your part? You may not be one that goes somewhere if we send wherever we go. May not. But God wants us to seek Him. This week, we need to seek God in prayer time. You need to just keep praying and seeking God for God's absolute direction and to get in a spirit of unity to where we can lock hands together, lock hands together and carry on the mission and vision for Cyprus and beyond to the world that's lost without God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Stand with me. Praise this Lord. I will tell you that next week we're going to, it's not going to be the same stuff next week. I will tell you this. It's about our preparation for what we have to do, okay? So the Lord is good. His mercy. And I thank the good Lord that I made it through. For all of you who prayed for me, for my voice, I appreciate your prayers. <laughs> How many of you just slip your hands up and say, Lord, use me today. Find something, Lord, that I can do. We used to sing that missionary song so many times. Jesus, use me, and oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely, surely, there's a work that I can do. And even though sometimes I stumble, Lord, help my will to not crumble. Though the cross be great, I will work for you. Are you ready to work for Jesus? Are you ready to carry Him into your job, into the grocery stores, into your neighborhoods, to do what God wants us to do? Okay? Father, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for helping me today my voice and I thank you Lord for that and your anointing that you place upon me God I pray for each and every one Lord that we just not be stirred for a moment today but God may we be changed to the very foundations of our beings that God that we know that the end time is soon you're coming soon Lord and we have a lost and dying world God cultivate our hearts to receive your Holy Spirit. God, that we can do and carry forth that which you have put before this church. God, we praise you and we thank you for it, Lord. I praise you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed just for a moment, I talked about 
moving forward, but there might be one here that doesn't know Jesus today as your personal Savior. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, would you just slip your hand and say, Pastor Larry, would you just pray for me? I just need Jesus today. That voice that's speaking on the inside of you is the Holy Spirit. It said, no one cometh to me lest he is drawn of the Holy Spirit. And it's that Holy Spirit that's drawing you this morning. That's that voice that's talking to you. Will you say yes to Jesus? Would you just slip it up your hand and say, I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. I see that. I see it. We're going to pray this prayer, but I'll tell you the same thing I tell the people, the, kid, the guys in jail. The words are necessary to be saved. But it's not just words. It has to come from that innermost part of you. You have to mean it. You're willing to change your life and make it a life for Jesus. So if you're here or you're out there and you don't know Jesus, we're going to pray this prayer. We ask you to repeat it from the bottom of your heart as we say it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. Let me be born again, a new creature, with a new way of life, with a, with a hope that I never had before. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my life and being the Lord of my life. And I dedicate my life to you and to carry the word that you give us to this world. May I be a witness for you today today is the day of our salvation thank you Lord for saving me and I thank you Lord that by the words that I said and the attitude of my heart I am now a born again child of the living God amen amen